Well, as you guys know, I'm a little bit out of my element here. I'm not used to wearing a suit, you know, as my Sunday best. You know, one thing I like about uh, going to any Calvary Chapel is that, you know, you can, you know, come as you are. And, you know, I, I remember first time I went to, I grew up Catholic, so I remember, you know, always having to dress your best um, on Sundays. And so when I started going to Calvary Chapel in San Diego, uh, my pastor and I would see a bunch of other pastors wearing Hawaiian short shirts and jeans and sandals, and I was like, "Whoa, you know, that's pretty neat." So, um, I'm a, again, I'm a jeans guy. So, it, Bella was saying, "Dang, Dad, you look like a businessman." <laughs> you know, um, but I'll be back in my jeans next week. I just thought I'd dress up just a little bit. So, um, again, good morning and welcome here today. Welcome to Fresh Vision Church. Thank you all for being here. If you're visiting us, if you're watching, you're listening, um, I'm thankful that God has led you here, um, that he led you to watch this video, listen to the audio of this, of this message. And I have no doubt that somewhere in this message, God wants to speak to you personally. He wants to say something to you. And I hope that you know, you're open to that, and I hope that as hard as it may be, whatever it is that he wants to tell you, it's for your own good. It's always for your own good. You know, when someone says something to you that you don't like or, you know, you have a... I know sometimes we tell our kids things and that is difficult for them to hear, but we're telling them for their own good. So that's how the Lord is as well with us as his children. So, um, again, I believe God has a message here for you, and I hope that you will um, definitely take it and run with it. On the other side of the coin, I also want to personally thank you for choosing to join us on, this is actually our second Easter service as a church. Um, and as our second Easter service, um, recalling back to our first one, actually, a um, bunch of new faces and, you know, a few more new people. So uh, it's, again, it, it means a lot to us and it's very humbling. Um, I know that there are a lot of churches out there, maybe hundreds of churches in El Paso that offer a bigger, you know, service, that have a bigger, more spectacular Easter service. And so it is, as I said, humbling that you've decided to join our small little, you know, church here as we uh, are getting started. You know, again, one of the things that we're still praying for is even just a worship leader to come and eventually join us if you know any musicians or anything like that definitely you know recommend us let us know put the word out there uh, wherever you're at so um, but yeah again thank you thank you all for being here um, but I wanted to mention too that where we lack in those areas that these big that these big churches have we um, make up in the spiritual sustenance that is being offered through the message through the word the preaching of the word um, you know my my thing is never to make church a show you know but just to simply teach the Bible simply teach the Word of God um, and teach it holy and not just in pieces so again welcome this morning uh, to the service and I want to be the first to tell you and proclaim that he is risen you know he is risen Jesus Christ is risen so um, Easter is a great reminder as to why the first Christians began 
meeting on the first day of the week instead of the traditional Jewish Sabbath day on Saturday. Do you guys know who J. Vernon McGee is? Uh, old school pastor, teacher, he comes on the radio, he has a very distinguishable southern voice. Um, and I, I, I won't even try to, you know, recreate his voice, but he's, uh, you know, someone that I, uh, that helped me grow as a Christian, as a young Christian. Well, J. Vernon McGee tells this story about a man who wanted to argue about the Sabbath. The man said, I'll give you $100 if you show me where the Sabbath day has been changed. McGee answered, I don't think it's been changed. Saturday is Saturday. It is the seventh day of the week, and it's the Sabbath day. I realize our calendar has been adjusted and can be off a few days, but we, don't, we won't even consider that point. The seventh day is still Saturday, and it's still the Sabbath day. This man got a gleam in his eye and said, then why don't you keep the Sabbath day as if, as if it hasn't been changed? McGee answered, the day hasn't changed, but I have been changed. I have been given a new nature now. I am joined to Christ. To Christ, I am a part of the new creation. We celebrate the first day because that is the day he rose from the grave. That is what it means to that that is what it means that the ordinance have been nailed to the cross, according to Colossians chapter two, verse fourteen. I've titled this morning's message, He has risen. And I hope to what I hope to do is to show you through today's passage a few things. I first want to show you some noticeable aspects about the resurrection, about the resurrection story that make it remarkable. I also want to explain why the resurrection is so important, why it's so important for us as Christians. And then I want to share with you some reasons why the resurrection of Jesus Christ ought to mean everything to every believer, to every believer who trusts in Jesus Christ, who has made him their personal savior. My hope and prayer is that by the time you leave here today, you'll have a more solid understanding of the meaning and importance of what we're celebrating today. The resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So before we get into our passage in Matthew, let's ask the Lord to speak to us this morning. Lord, Heavenly Father, we do, we come before you right now just to thank you for your power, your glory, for what you've done, first of all, on the cross, forgiven us of our sins, and second of all, forgiven us Jesus Christ, for, for him, raising him from the dead through your spirit, Lord. Death cannot hold him back. The chains of of death cannot contain him, Lord. And he lives. And we're just so thankful because we have hope now. We, hope, we have hope of a future resurrection, an eternal resurrection, where we will be with Jesus. You were where you will cover us with your brilliance, where you will cover us with the brightness of your glory. Lord, on this day, we celebrate, again, this risen Savior. 
So now, as we get into the Word, to speak to us, Lord. Speak to us in a powerful way. Pour your Holy, Holy Spirit upon us this morning, upon this room, and open our ears and our hearts to receive what you have to say to us. Thank you. We praise you. We honor you. In the name of Jesus, amen. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter four, uh, 28. Matthew chapter 28. All of you may have know this story, may be familiar with this story, but we often need a reminder again of, especially today, of what happened here. Now this is just Matthew's account. We also have Mark, Luke's, and John's account. Um, and people will say they, some people will say they all contradict each other, but if you line them all together, um, it, it all makes sense. Um, again, we're all going to have different perspectives on the same story. So I want to share with you what Matthew's perspective was, what his account was, um, and then again share with you some remarkable aspects about this story. So Matthew chapter 28. Matthew 28, verse 1. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was, was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to view the tomb. There was a violent earthquake because an angel of the Lord descended from heaven, approached the tomb, he, and approached the tomb. He rolled back the stone and was sitting on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards were so shaken by fear of him that they became like dead men. The angel told the women, don't be afraid because I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and indeed he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Listen, I have told you. So departing quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, they ran to tell his disciples the news. Just then Jesus met them and said, Greetings. They came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus told them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and they will see me there. I wanted to uh, dissect this text here just a little bit and point out five noticeable aspects about Matthew's account of the resurrection. The first noticeable aspect was that it was astonishing. Before dawn on Sunday morning, as the two Marys were on their way to view the tomb, Matthew tells us about the astonishing event that occurred. There was a violent earthquake. Now, if you haven't been to an, through an earthquake, this was the kind of quake that you would see on TV. I know I've seen some videos about some of the quakes in Japan and in Mexico, and they were pretty violent. You can see the whole building shaking, whole buildings toppling. I know living in California that um, I've probably been through a few, but I usually slept with them. I didn't feel them or, you know, I, I was a heavy sleeper back then. But that's just something we can worry about here in El Paso. Uh, not that I know of. I don't know if it's, I'd have to ask Mr. Isaac to see if there are any fault lines here in El Paso, but um, yeah, so these, this was one of those violent earthquakes where it was definitely felt. 
Now, also, this wasn't your typical kind of earthquake. Now, what usually happens in a natural earthquake is that two blocks of earth suddenly slip past one another and break apart from each other because of tension caused by prolonged energy buildup. The cause of this particular earthquake was that it was, and what made it so astonishing was because an angel of the Lord had descended from heaven. Now, anytime earthquakes have been mentioned or have been used distinctively by God in the Bible, it's to highlight an important event. These biblical earthquakes have three main purposes, judgment, deliverance, and communication. This astonishing event didn't end there because we're told that this angel approached the tomb, rolled back the stone, and just sat on it. Just sat on the, uh, on the stone. Let, let me ask you, do you think the angel moved the stone so that Jesus would come out? No. The stone was rolled away not to let Jesus out of the tomb, but to let the disciples look in and see that it was empty. The reason the angel was sitting on that stone was to tell the first people who arrived what had happened and what they were to do next. The second noticeable aspect about this story was that it was shocking. When the Roman soldiers were guarding Jesus' tomb, they saw pure brilliance flashing from the angel's face, from the angel's face, and the pure white garments he wore. They saw that and they got so scared, they, got, they were so shocked by it, that they completely passed out. They completely fainted. Bible commentator, commentator Adam Clark correctly noted, God can, by one and the same means, comfort his servants and terrify his enemies. The resurrection of Christ is a subject of terror to the servants of sin and a subject of consolation to the sons of God because it is proof of the resurrection of both, the one to shame and one and everlasting contempt to the other eternal glory and joy. Now, besides... Jesus, the story of Jesus' transfiguration on a mountain where we see that his face also shone, and also the story of Stephen in Acts before he was martyred. There was another character whose face shone this bright when he was in the presence of God's glory. Do you guys remember who that was? It was Moses. Let me read to you that description, and it's found in Exodus chapter 34. Exodus chapter 34. There it says in Exodus chapter 34, verse 29. As Moses descended from, the, from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hands, as he descended the mountain, he did not realize that the skin of his face shone as a result of his speaking with the Lord. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, the skin of his face shone. They were afraid to come near him. But Moses called out to them. So Aaron and all the leaders of the community returned to him. And Moses spoke to them. Afterward, all the Israelites came near, and he commanded them to do everything the Lord had told them on Mount Sinai. 
When Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. But whenever Moses went before the Lord to speak with him, he would remove the veil until he came out. After he came out, he would tell the Israelites that he had been what he had been commanded. And the Israelites would see that Moses' face was radiant. Then Moses would put the veil over his face again until he went to go speak with the Lord. So if anyone was to come up to you, or someone was to say to you that they had a physical encounter with God, I say just take a quick look at their face. Take a quick look at what they, you know, what they look like. And if there's no shining brightness coming from them, then, yeah, you should question, you know, uh, what's going on up there. Um, or question what they're saying as well. But that's what we see. The second thing was that it was shocking. I mean, these guards completely passed out. They couldn't handle what they saw with this angel. The third noticeable aspect of the resurrection was that it was validated. After the angel calmed the fears of both women, he told them, he is not here, for he has risen just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. In the resurrection accounts of Luke and Mark, it says that these women entered the tomb and saw that it was empty. So with their own eyes, these women were the first ones to validate that the physical body of Jesus was no longer in the tomb. So what did they see in the tomb? According to John chapter 20, the grave clothes lying on the stone shelf, still wrapped in the shape of Jesus' body. Jesus had passed through the grave clothes and left them behind as evidence that he was still alive, that he was alive. They lay there like an empty cocoon. There was no sign of struggle. The grave clothes were not in disarray. Even the napkin, which had been wrapped around his face, was folded carefully in a place by itself. The fourth aspect of the resurrection was that it was confirmed with an encounter. Yes, these women had visual proof that Jesus wasn't in the tomb. But besides the testimony of the angel, they didn't have physical proof that he had risen from the grave. For all they knew, this angel could have been anything. You know, again, we're told that, um, and the Bible tells us that the angel dresses up as angels of light to deceive. Now, I do believe that they went, they were scared when they were running out and they were like, we need to tell other disciples, but they didn't have the actual confirmation, that physical proof. Well, at least not until they began to run back to the disciples. Verse 9 says that just, just then Jesus met them and said, greetings. They came up, took hold of his feet, and worshiped him. The resurrection of Jesus was now confirmed with visual, audible, and a tangible encounter by Jesus Christ himself. The fifth and final aspect of this story of Jesus' resurrection was that it was instructional. 
twice in our story here, specific instructions had been given to the women about what they were to do and say to the other disciples. In verse 10, Jesus tells them, don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to leave for Galilee and they will see me there. What amazing words, what touching words. Even after they had all abandoned him when Jesus was arrested, and even after Peter, Peter had denied knowing him and was cursing and saying all kinds of things, say, I don't know that Jesus, I don't know what you're talking about. Jesus still viewed them as his brothers and had a deep desire to see them. This is a great example for all of us who struggle to be around people who we may not necessarily get along with, who may, not, who may have wronged us, who may have done something bad to us. It's an example that how we ought to treat them, how we ought to see them. I know that from personal experience, it's not easy but if we truly desire to follow Jesus, we must make an effort to do as he did. As you can see, the resurrection of Jesus Christ was indeed glorious, remarkable, impressive, and extraordinary. It's also important for, for several reasons. Let me go back to my, sli my title slide here. Excuse me one second. It's also important for several reasons. First, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is proof of God's immense power. You see, to believe in the resurrection is to believe in God. If God exists and he created the universe and has power over it, then he has power to raise the dead. But if he does not have such power, he is not worthy of our faith and our worship. In resurrecting Jesus from the grave, God reminds us of his absolute sovereignty over life and death. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is also important because it validates who Jesus claimed to be, namely the Son of God and Messiah. According to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, hundreds of people witnessed the resurrection, the resurrected Jesus thus proving without a doubt that he was the savior of the world. Another reason the resurrection of Jesus Christ is important is that it proves his sinless character and his divine nature. The scriptures said God's Holy One, Holy One would never see corruption and Jesus never saw corruption even after he died. It was on a basis of the resurrection of Christ 
that Paul preached. Through this man, Jesus, there is forgiveness of, of, for your sins. Everyone who believes in him is made right in God's sight. Something the law of Moses could never do. So now that I've shared with you some of the important re aspects of the resurrection story and, some, and the importance of Jesus' re resurrection, I want to share with you a few reasons why it ought to mean everything to you. So what I decided to do was to take, you guys know what an acronym is? You know, I was mentioning this to Robin, she had this big old smile, like, you're gonna use an acronym? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I decided, there's traditionally the word um, we, on Easter morning, it's a traditional greeting is he is risen and the response would be he is risen indeed. I'm sure you guys have heard of that. So what I decided to do is take the word risen from the traditional Easter greeting and create an acronym for it to show you what a risen Jesus will offer those who believe and trust in him. The letter R in our acronym stands for res restoration. Restoration. R for restoration. A risen Jesus gives us hope of complete restoration. 2 Corinthians 5.1 says, For we know that if it, the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. If you're a believer, this means that the new bodies you'll have at the resurrection will be made new, whole, and will be perfect. There won't be any more scars, moles, you know, there won't be any more um, one leg, you know, longer than the other, you know, there won't be any more receding hairline, there won't, I mean, it will be perfect, just as God intended it to be. We will be made whole. This temporary tent that we live in will be restored into something far more glorious. The next letter, the letter I in our acronym, stands for inspiration. A risen Jesus gives us inspiration. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18, therefore we do not give up even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. So we do not focus on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. You see, regardless of what the world will throw at you, regardless of what, you know, is happening in your personal lives, in your marriage, and in your relationships with, with whoever, and, or at work, um, or at school, believing in the resurrection will inspire you to live a life of obedience because a better one awaits you. A better life is waiting 
for you. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this, the essence of optimism is that it takes no account of the present, but it is a, but it is a source of inspiration, of vitality and hope where others have resigned. It enables a man to hold his head high, to claim the future for himself and not to abandon it to his enemies or to his enemy. The letter S in our acronym stands for security. A risen Jesus gives us security. Listen to what it says in Romans 11, or chapter 8, verse 11. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then he who raised Jesus Christ from the dead will also bring to your mortal, bring your mortal bodies to life through his spirit who now lives in you, or who lives in you. Notice that in this verse, it's a conditional statement, meaning that if you have God's spirit in you, then God will give you life in or to your mortal bodies. Ephesians chapter 1 and in 2 Corinthians, it tells us clearly that the Holy Spirit is God's down payment that secures the eternal inheritance that he promised. And how is this inheritance, how is this security obtained? By putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and being born again. The letter E stands for excitement. A risen Jesus gives us excitement. I don't know about you, but the thought of being resurrected after I die is an exciting thought. You know, yeah, there's a part of me that will be sad that, you know, my family's gonna miss me for a bit. You know, but the thought of living with Jesus, being eternally with the Lord, is so exciting. You know, I'm looking forward to it, but not in looking forward to it. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, um, and it ought to excite every believer too. If you're, if you're here and you're scared, you're fearing death or you're fearing the resurrection, <coughs> then I'll, I'll explain to you afterwards that you don't have to be. But if you don't have that fear, if you just truly believe and trust and have faith in Jesus, you shouldn't have to fear. It should be something that inwardly you desire because again everything's going to be different everything is going to be it's going to change revelations chapter 21 and 22 john there john gives us some descriptions of what eternity eternity will be like for believers and there's one particular one in particular that i'm so looking forward to and it's found in revelations chapter 21 verse 4 it says there he will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain all these things are gone forever the last letter in our acronym of risen stands for necessary a risen Jesus 
was necessary. It was necessary because it gives us hope and it proves to us the extent of God's love to us wretched sinners, to wretched sinners like us. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 14, verse 9, Christ died and returned to life for this, that he might be the Lord over both the dead and the living. The resurrection of Jesus Christ was also necessary because without it, all would be all we would be doing, everything that we're doing right now, everything we're doing as Christians, we would be doing it because we're following a dead man who lived a good life and had some good teachings. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 13 through 18, put it like this. For, for if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless and your faith is useless. And if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. But you see, he did rise. He did rise from the dead. And hundreds of people witnessed it. In his book, Case for Christ, and I think he mentioned it in the movie as well, Lee Strobel wrote, I went to a psychologist friend and said, if 500 people claimed to see Jesus after he died, it was just a hallucination. He said hallucinations are an individual event. If 500 people had the same hallucination, that's a bigger miracle than the resurrection itself. Ladies and gentlemen, church, our best days are yet to come. I read of a bright young girl of 15 who was suddenly cast upon a bed of suffering. Completely paralyzed on one side and nearly blind, she heard the family doctor say to her parents as they stood by the bedside, she has seen her best days, poor child. No doctor, she exclaimed, my best days are yet to come when I see the king in his beauty. Is this the kind of outlook you have today? Is this what, how you see eternity? Is this how you see resurrection? Better days ahead. Do you believe there are better days ahead? J.I. Packer said this, Optimism is a wish without warrant. Christian hope is a certainty guaranteed by God himself. Optimism reflects ignorance as to whether good things will ever actually come. Christian hope expresses knowledge that every day of his life and every moment beyond it, the believer can say with truth on the basis of God's own commitment, the best is yet to come. So, this morning, I shared with you 
that in the morning of Jesus Christ, in the morning Jesus of Jesus' resurrection, that event was astonishing, it was shocking, it was validated and confirmed, and it was instructional. I also, I also informed you how it was proof of God's immense power, that it validated who Jesus claimed to be, and how it proved Jesus' sinless and divine character. Then, using the word risen, I told you how the resurrection of Jesus Christ, what the, what, how the resurrection of Jesus Christ gives us restoration, inspiration, security, excitement, and that it was necessary. On this day in which we remember the resurrection of the Savior of the world, each of us ought to reflect. Each of us ought to take a moment and just think about what it means, what it means to us personally. And if you haven't done that, if you haven't just sat down and, and all you think is just a good time to get together with family, I mean, it is, but the, re the resurrection is much more deeper than that. And so I urge you just take some time to reflect on what it means to you personally. A story is told of an African Muslim who became a Christian. His friends asked, why have you become a Christian? He answered, well, it's, well, it's like this. Suppose you were going down a road and suddenly the road forked, forked in two directions and you don't know which way to go. There at the fork were two men, one dead and one alive. Who would you ask which way to go? If you find yourself at the fork of the road, then I want to encourage you to follow the road where Jesus is at, where he's there with arms extended wide, waiting for you to come to him, to love him, to embrace him, to follow him. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 14, For we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you. It also says in, chapter, in Romans chapter 4, verse 25, He was handed over to die because of our sins, and he was raised to life to make us right with God. you're here again if you're watching if you're listening and you want your sins to be made right with God or you want to be made right with God I'm sorry then I want to give you an opportunity to do that wherever you're at whatever you're listening this is an important decision and this is something that will affect your entire life from here on forward I know for a long time it was difficult for me to make that commitment because I knew that it was going to change everything. It was going to change who I hung out with. It was going to change what I listened to, what I watched, what I, how I reacted towards others. And it scared the heck out of me. But you know, when you make that, when you take that first step, God is there again. He, Jesus is there to, to comfort you, to guide you, to help you through that process. You know, we have all these thoughts 
in our head of how things are going to be, but you know, if you've been a Christian long enough, you know that it's usually make things bigger than what they actually are. Just let him guide you. Let him, you know, show you what to do. And again, the Holy Spirit that will be living inside of you will inspire you, will move you. If you've never done that, if you are listening, watching, and you've never done made that commitment, and you desire, you see, you've heard this message over and over again, and you've been to Easter messages or been to Easter services, and you never made that commitment, and this is something that you want to do. You see now that you need a savior. You're at your, you're at a dead end. There's nowhere else to go. Let me invite you. Let me introduce you to Jesus. Let me, I, I want to show you who he is. I want to guide you in a prayer to receive him as your personal Lord and Savior. And if you'd like to do that wherever you're at, wherever, just if you're, if you're driving, just continue driving. I don't want you to close your eyes and, and, and pray. But wherever you may be at, you know, just in the quietness of your, close your eyes, bow your heads, the quietness of your heart with a sincere heart, pray this. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. I know that I'm a sinner and that I've fallen short of your glory. I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And I believe he died for my sins. I now accept your forgiveness. Thank you for that. I believe Jesus is Lord. Fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I may walk with you all the days of my life. So that I may be with you during the resurrection, at the resurrection. Guide me, teach me, love me. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you've prayed that, if you've prayed that prayer in your heart, let, let us know. Let us, you know, contact us, um, email us, fax us, whatever, you know, whatever it is that, that, that you know, let us know. Or, or just contact somebody that you, another Christian that you, you may trust or that you may know. I mean, he'll guide you on what steps you got to take next to, to grow in your relationship with the Lord. Also, I want to share one more promise made in Romans chapter 6, verse 6, um, Romans chapter 6, verses 8 through 11. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Because we know that Christ, having been raised from the dead, will not die again. Death no longer rules over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all time. 
but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you too consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Church, let me remind you once again. He is risen. Jesus is risen. Let's close with a word of prayer. Thank you for bringing us all here together, Lord. You have a plan and a purpose for having us all here. Lord, I know that you've spoken to each person individually here, Lord, and that you had a message for them. And I pray that they will take it and they will grow from it. Again, whether it was a sting in the heart or just a word of joy, that they will just accept it and grow from it. Lord, may we remember the resurrection every single day of our lives and what it's done for us, why it's so important, why it ought to mean everything to us. We look forward to seeing you face to face. We look forward to embracing Jesus Christ in our own arms. Just falling at his feet, just like both Marys did. They will be so glorious. Lord, we ask you, we come soon. Take us home soon. Heal us so that we be healed from all these things that are wrong with us, all these pains and aches and these heartaches. Look forward to being with you, Lord. Thank you for the resurrection. Bless us next time, Lord. May we just enjoy each other's company. May we uplift each other in this time of fellowship. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.